Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This is the garden for you, okay? So whether you're a beginner whether you're advanced, whether you're intermediate, whether you have a patio, whether you have an apartment with no outdoor space, it doesn't matter. You can grow an herb garden. Okay. So. Hi, I'm Megan Gilker and welcome to the Fresh Exchange podcast. Welcome today, friends. I am very happy to be here. And I feel like this last week, it just all of a sudden became summer here in Northern Michigan. We have this like, we have real spring that most people would enjoy. I think anywhere else in the country, we get it for like 24 hours and then it's just like full on summer all of a sudden. And it always like is sort of like this moment where I'm like, oh my God, like, we got to get everything done and we kind of do, but it can be a little bit overwhelming. The good news is, is that there, we have time. Like I always have to remind myself this time of year when that urgency like really sets in that like, oh my gosh, I got to get my tomatoes and everything out. I'm like, no, 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 no. We got to wait. We got to hold on. We got a couple more weeks. They're okay. Everyone's okay. We're just going to hold on. But there's so many things that can be done, you know, like putting in our seeds, uh, because you know, we're past the last frost date now. In fact, we're three days past and we're into 70 degree weather. So it's kind of awesome to have something to do, right? Well, we wait for these things and the soil's really ready. So I have to remind myself of these things and I'm sure you do too. And speaking of gardens today, I am very happy to discuss this because this topic of grow, how to grow an herb garden. You know, I think we think of the garden so often in these 
terms of growing vegetables, growing certain things. And I really want to encourage all of you to find the right type of garden for you because growing a garden does not necessarily mean a vegetable garden. And in fact, if we're really honest, like herb gar- or vegetable gardens are incredibly difficult to grow. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. It is a lot of work and it is, there's so many things that can go wrong where, you know, when we talk about flowers, still many things that can go wrong. Flowers are quite temperamental on their own, but we have less other than the squirrels tend to love them, but there's ways to avoid that. Another topic for another day. But when we talk about getting into gardening and we talk about feeling empowered in the garden and feeling like we can garden, or even for those people that are sitting here listening and being like, oh gosh, I do not have a green thumb. Not true. Because if you have not grown an herb garden and done it the ways that I'm going to suggest, I I don't believe you, <laughs> quite frankly, because an herb garden is literally the easiest garden. It is my favorite type of garden, in fact. And I can almost bet that anybody listening to this can grow an herb garden. I would almost like bet on it because herb gardens are just so simple and easy to maintain. We're going to go into all of it. And I'm going to tell you why you need to grow an herb garden, what exactly is an herb garden, what herbs to put in there and how to best prepare yourself to do this. So we're going to go through it pretty quick. And there is a blog post connected to this episode as always, where I have broken it all down very easily for you guys. If you want something to reference, I also have tons of links in there and suggestions for things from other blog posts that will be very helpful as well. So like I said, if you are somebody who's like, I can't garden, Megan. Like, I love you, but like, I'm not going to garden. I'm calling bullshit on that. Okay. Like really, because this is what you want to do. This is the garden for you. Okay. So whether you're a beginner, whether you're advanced, whether you're intermediate, whether you have a patio, whether you have an apartment with no outdoor space, it doesn't matter. You can grow an herb garden. Okay. So let's talk about it. First of all, what is an herb garden? The beautiful thing about the herb garden is it's herbs. Yes, herbs are definitely that part of this, right? (laughs) That's the obvious part. But it also includes a lot of flower varieties and even some things that are marketed to us as lettuces. Yes, arugula. It is actually an herb. I'm going to say it again. Arugula is an herb. But there are also flowers that are technically herbs that we plant in our garden thinking that they are flowers, but they are Technically not. Things such as calendula, nasturtium. These things are actually in marigolds, lavender, catmint. They're all things, though I don't know if catmint's technically totally edible. I'd have to look that one up. I just grow it as a flower, but they technically have the same existence and makeup that catalog them as an herb. And what is an herb? It's basically like these plants specifically are almost edible from top to bottom. Like at every stage, they offer us something in the edible category, which is pretty incredible because there are not vegetables that do that. And like tomatoes, you're going to grow those tomatoes and never eat anything but the fruit. 
same thing with an apple tree. You're going to grow it and never eat anything but the apple, you know? So I think we got to talk about like how these or these things are so unique in the fact that we can eat every part of them, even the flowers. There's parts that are very bitter, but they have their place in meals too. It's just an opportunity to try something new, right? But beyond that, why do we actually want to grow these things? And this is my favorite part because this is when I get like super excited because the herb garden has so many opportunities into why you want to do this. So first of all, pollinators love herb gardens. You can, I cannot express the plants that grow, that provide the greatest pollination opportunity are always my herbs. We're talking in flowers too, obviously, but we're talking like hyssop, borage, all these things, thyme flowers, the basil flowers, the bees go nuts. And then dill itself is an opportunity that provides food for swallowtail caterpillars. It's a short period of time. You might lose a couple plants, so always plant extra, but it also is great pollination for the swallowtails as butterflies. Later on, when you have that bouquet dill open up, they love it and they won't destroy it. It's just that short-lived caterpillar time. You might lose some of it. Once again, leading us into herb gardens are mostly pest resistant. And there's a few reasons for this. First of all, yes, the swallowtails will come. There's a couple things that might love certain things, but it's going to be so slim compared to say, I don't even know. We could just tackle cucumbers, for instance, or beans or potatoes, or, you know, the list goes on with vegetables. There are so many pests with vegetables, but with herbs, they're like slim to none. And you won't be spraying them with things or having to worry about them or checking them all the time. It's so low maintenance in that fact, uh, because the truth is, is that these herbs are actually deterrent to many pests. So you don't really have to worry about them. Like literally mice, caterpillars, certain bugs and rabbits, they won't go within feed of this stuff. It's too aromatic. It's not interesting to them. So that is also a positive. So it makes it very low maintenance. The other thing I love is that when we have an herb garden, it allows us this opportunity to experience parts of the herbs and the flowers that we wouldn't necessarily in a grocery store or farmer's market alone because they just aren't marketable on a commercial level. Like you're not going to see a lot of thyme flowers or, you know, you might, but you also won't see like blossom, like gone to see cilantro, for instance, that then can be turned into coriander seeds. You're not going to get basil flowers necessarily at every farmer's market or definitely not in the grocery store. The thing is, is like, it's just hard to do that on a commercial level. So some smaller farms will offer these opportunities, but it's pretty slim. But when you're growing them yourself, which is incredibly easy, I'll get into that. You get to use these things in a really exciting way. Like for instance, borage is a very hard flower to take to the farmer's market because the flowers are so delicate that they pretty much have to be harvested immediately and then used immediately because they just will wilt and die very, very quickly. They would not hold up in a farm stand for very long. So you, we just got to think about that. Like this is a really unique opportunity to try something new. The other thing is, is like you can actually grow your own herbs and teas and 
there's so many fresh herbs for that have impressive flavor and things like that. So this is like a powerhouse flavor garden. If you want to make impressive food, if that's like a thing for you, this is how you do it. <laughs> herbs are the secret, but I love drying these things, which I have a link in the show notes about how to do that, how I do it. It's very simple. It's very easy, but I love drying these things and like stocking up my own herb cabinet. And we eat so many of our own herbs dried out of our garden all winter long. We also use them as teas and growing your own tea garden is so simple and easy. I talk about some of that in the blog post and you get all these like beautiful flowers and things like that that just look so beautiful and pop a huge punch. Like, like I said, you're not going to get these things in the farmer's market very easily. The other thing is, is like growing herbs is so good for your health. Like there's I mean, you can look up every single different herb and each one has its own medicinal benefits. I haven't done a ton of research on this, but I do know that like there's certain ones that do a lot of, have a lot of calming effects, um, such as lemon balm and chamomile and lavender. Then there's some that lessen cold symptoms. Uh, there's some that offer healing properties like calendula and yarrow, things like that. There's also ones that strengthen our immune system, such as sage and oregano, things like that. So, and there's so many more, like literally there, this is such a hot topic right now, but it is really powerful. Like holy basil, like strengthens your respiratory strength. And it, there's tons of different ideas about what these herbs can do and what they've been used for for centuries. So, but having them around allows you the availability to start researching and playing around with these ideas. They also, like I said, kind of, they eh, require such low maintenance. Like you don't have to do much. The watering's pretty minimal because a lot of them don't need a lot of water. Um, they actually prefer drier soils. I break down some of that in the blog post, but what I love about them is like my herbs are like, it could be a really hot day. My herbs are the things that are thriving. It's the vegetables that are just like shriveling up in the flowers. So I find that like my rosemary and my thyme and my sage are just like, they're so happy. But, you know, the ones that do struggle a little bit, I find are the basil, cilantro, and sometimes chamomile, especially later in the season when we're getting really long, hot days. The other thing that that I believe is a strong reason why you need to have an herb garden or think about this is that herb gardens are just amazing for any level. Like you don't have to be have much experience. This is a great way to enter into this experience or if you have let's say uh, your grandmother you know, she is really interested in having a little garden. This is a really awesome thing to set up for her. Even if it's in pots and containers, I suggest like these elevated raised beds that are really awesome for older people. I just think like getting our hands in the dirt, experiencing these scents, these smells connects us to nature in such a healthy and beautiful way. And this garden is low intensity. So it is so easy to take care of and water and keep up. So I suggest it for everyone and anyone. Okay. The best place you're probably thinking, okay, Megan, I'm sold. Now, where is the place that I put this garden? And this is a great question because really anywhere. <laughs> I know that doesn't, um, just, it doesn't simplify it, but I'll just run through them really quick. So if you want to do it in a container, there's lots and lots of ways to do this, but the main thing is you can, you want to think about drainage. If you're using containers, now, if you, you can use terracotta pots, but just make sure you're putting in like your woodier type of herbs, like lavender, rosemary, sage, 
time, those are going to like that terracotta pot more because they drain and dry out so well. Do not repeat, do not put cilantro or basil into those terracotta pots. Instead, you want a plastic or galvanized tub or a grow bag that drains well, but also keeps moisture really well at the same time, because those herbs just want a little more moisture. They also don't like a lot of wind. So that's a kind of the upside of a container garden too, is you can kind of move it around as the season adjusts. So you can kind of give them less or more sun. They really just need 18, 10 hours of sun. So anywhere that gets that is the most ideal location. Indoors, you can do them. I link to a kit that I would suggest within the blog post. Um, but this is awesome for anyone. Like you can do this in the dead of winter. You can grow herbs inside in a sunny window, or there's now kits with like grow lights on them that are really beautiful and aesthetically pleasing. I think it's from click and grow or something like that. I've seen them and they're so pretty. I have not personally used them, but they, I've seen a lot of people do them and they're really cool. So you can grow them indoors, even with limited light. In ground is also another option. And I have some of my herbs, I mix my herbs in throughout my whole garden. So I don't have a specific herb garden, but in ground is such an awesome way to do it because it can be so easy. And right now, so many people are struggling with like the lumber shortages and stuff like that. It's very easy to put in in ground beds by just removing some lawn, putting in some compost on top of your topsoil. You don't even have to till, especially with these guys. You do not have to do that. And then you can just plant them. You might get some weed pressure, but just regular weed it. You can just have a small spot to start if you want and then get bigger as you go. But in-ground is so easy. Also in the blog post, there is a whole method about how to do this, like with a step-by-step tutorial. Next thing is raised beds. And I personally love raised beds. I think that they are very easy to maintain. They drain well. They You can control the soil content really well. But like I said, you know, we have a lot of lumber shortages. So there's other materials you can use to make raised beds. You can buy kits. There's all sorts of options. You can buy elevated kits. They're, it's endless. And all of them work for herbs. So you don't, like, it's about finding what's right for you more than anything about what you will enjoy the most while growing your herb garden. So now that you have decided on your location, we got to discuss the exact herbs that go in here. The options here are also endless, (laughs) but I'm aiming to give you some parameters to start with, like some solid ground to just put you in a direction, right? And there are tons of herbs and I have tried a lot of herbs and I am herb obsessed, but these are my top herbs. These are the ones that my garden will never be without. And I even broke out down like basil is 150 different varieties which ones do you grow? (laughs) I broke down my three favorite in the blog post. And I think you got as well as giving some recipes and things like that. If you are unsure how to use these things, they're all in there, but I'm just going to run through some of them really quick that I think are really important. And I don't want to bore you (laughs) because I could talk all about each one of these herbs in a whole episode (laughs) because that's how much I love herbs. But one of my favorite is parsley. It is so beautiful. It is one of those herbs that transitions through every season. You can enjoy it in almost anything. It goes with so many different things. And then on top of that, it creates a beautiful flower. It's a biennial 
and it does get um, bitter when it flowers, but I love the flowers because they can really add that touch of bitter to counter other flavors. And like I said, that is an opportunity that you wouldn't get to experience if you don't have an herb garden. Their flowers are very fascinating. The butterflies and bees love them. So very beneficial in so many ways. Chamomile is the other one that every garden needs. We have German chamomile. It comes back and reseeds itself every year in zone 6A, 5B. And it doesn't tolerate heat super well, but I find that it's most productive earlier in the season, in the summer, and then kind of wanes as the heat really hits. It doesn't die. It's still there. It is very beautiful and feathery looking. I love the plant. It's very easy to harvest. You want to just pull off the the flower itself. And you can do that with like running your fingers, kind of like a, a, I don't, a pitchfork or something. And you just kind of open them and then pull, pull them through, like brush them through and then pull up and you'll get a handful of, of chamomile flowers. And then you can just lay them flat and dry them and then save them for tea. I mean, seriously, it's so wonderful and so, um, meditative to harvest. Then there's basil. And like I said, there's 150 different varieties. And I really suggest exploring because there are so many options and they all offer different flavors. And that's hard to imagine because when we go to the grocery store, really all we're seeing are, is like a sweet basil or, you know, that large leafy basil that's really beautiful. And we use it in a lot of Italian cooking. And then sometimes we see Thai basil, but that's pretty much it. And I feel like we're seeing more and more, but it's still pretty not all there, right? Like not 150 varieties, right? <laughs> Even at the farmer's market. So my favorites personally are Tulsi, which also some people call holy basil. It is the most amazing smell. I cannot even explain it to you. Definitely suggest that one. Very easy, has beautiful flowers, great in salads, tea, anything. Thai is also wonderful. I suggest some ways to use it in the blog post. And then obviously the sweet one, and that is, you know, the Italian style basil and there's different names for it, but it's relatively the same. And I, I love that one and I preserve it by just, um, making pesto and then freezing it super easy. The next one is definitely sage. Like I think sage is ranks up there in the like top three because sage is a perennial for us. And when it flowers, it's one of our first beautiful flowers that the garden offers us. And it's purple and it is just aromatic. It is my, and it holds on like it, it's up early in the spring and it is staying until deep into December. It's wonderful. It's amazing. It works in so many dishes, especially through the winter. And it's very easy to dry. Lavender is also beautiful perennial in most places. And all you really have to do maintenance wise, it looks really fancy, but all you really need to do is clip all those flowers and dry them. And you can use it for all sorts of things. Mint and thyme are also great ones, but contain them. These two guys <laughs> can get very aggressive in the garden. So make sure you keep them in pots. Even if you stagger them into your in-ground in their pots, just make sure they're in pots. Okay. Like believe me on this. There's tons of different varieties of thyme. Time is super resistant to drought and like all, like it amazes me how time will come back after like a brutal beating of the weather. I also love hyssop and borage. They're very different. Um, hyssop 
but they're both great pollinator friendly uh, herbs. Hyssop is this like very tall variety and it does reseed itself a little bit. It's very slow to do it, but it does do it. Borage is a fast reseeder. I always say if you have one board, you're going to have 20 the next year. And it's true. So you just have to know that you don't have to keep them all. Obviously you can kind of figure out where you want to move them. If you want to move them, if you want to share them with friends, but they offer different things. I don't really harvest hyssop for anything because it tastes like anise and Personally, I don't love that, but it's beautiful in arrangements on in your house. Then Borage offers these very delicate blue flowers that taste like cucumbers and they look lovely in salads and in everything. I think they're just beautiful. Then you have oregano. I have some suggestions on different varieties. There's the Greek variety, which is very common, but I also got this Puerto Rican variety and overwintered it. It is basically like a succulent that smells like lime. And it's fuzzy and the kids love it. It's so beautiful. I've never seen anything like it. I, I don't even know how I got it, but it, I, I love oregano because it's so easy to dry too, especially the Greek variety and easy to save as a spice in your cabinet. Lemon balm is just incredible. It offers calming benefits. It's perennial. Another, it, it acts so similarly to sage in the sense that it's the, it doesn't flower very often. I have ever, I don't know if I've ever seen a flower, but it, it comes on early in the spring and it sticks around forever. So it's a life giver in the garden. Now, cilantro, everyone, you know, it, there's like 50% of people don't like cilantro, which I understand, but cilantro is also very tricky. I find it very tricky and I've tried a lot of different varieties. I've done slow bolt, fast bolt. I've done, you name it. And I still will say it's tricky. I think that it bolts very quickly no matter what. And in that situation, I grow it less to consume it as like the leaf variety that we get at the grocery store and more as something to dry for the seeds, the coriander seeds. Yes, cilantro seeds are called coriander. I know it's kind of messes with my brain too, but you can then dry them and grind them up and use them in cooking all year long. Like every year I have like two jars and I barely get through them both. So <laughs> they are amazing and the flowers are beautiful and you can use them in cooking. Now, calendula, which you wouldn't suspect as being an herb, but it is. And I love growing it. The flowers are a little bit sticky feeling, but you just pick them off and let them dry and then you can remove the petals. It's like the most like gentle, beautiful process. And you can use them for cooking. You can use them for all sorts of things. Um, they have a marigold sort of scent and flavor to them. You can also eat marigolds, I guess. Um, I haven't. <laughs> but calendula, I use it to infuse oils that we use for the winter. And it's very healing and calming and everything for like face oils. So, which is very easy to do with like olive oil or jojoba oil or something like that. Then the final two I would suggest are chives, which are just annuals and they continue to come back and back. And you just have to remember to divide them every three years. And then dill. Bouquet dill creates beautiful flowers to use in cooking and arrangements, but then, you know, the butterflies also love it. Those swallowtails will be around because of that. So now that you have your list of things, how do you actually make sure that you set your herb garden up for success? And honestly, it's a lot simpler than you may think. If, especially if you're used to setting up a a vegetable garden, I can promise you that this is like super simple in the sense that 
All you really need is some quality sunlight of eight to 10 hours a day. You need to plant the herbs in great soil. And that's really easy with the method that I suggested earlier, where you just have topsoil and then you lay some compost and you just kind of weed frequently. And then you water regularly, you weed, you make sure there's definitely drainage that's present. And then you harvest often. These plants really like to create. And as we harvest them, each plant's a little different in how we harvest them. But, and we can go into that in another episode, but you just like clip them, enjoy them, dry them, eat them, whatever you want. Obviously, obviously that leads us to when do I harvest my herbs, right? (laughs) The truth is, is there's no like real science to this. Maybe there is, but I have not, I don't think that there's a real science to it. I think it's more of like a, it's more of this, like feel it out a little bit. Like if you like, like the herbs are available as edible things from basically start to finish. So there's going to be different points where you can harvest different parts. And like, for instance, we'll just say basil. Okay. So there's points in basil where we cut, we pinch them back, so to speak, to make them bushier, to make them produce more leaves. And then they're going to eventually, and we can eat those pinched off leaves. They're nice and tender and beautiful. And they really celebrate that flavor of the herb, but you can also eat them at like a microgreen size stage, you know, which is like really intense flavor. It's amazing. The full celebration of that flavor in one tiny bite, or you can eat the flower at the very end and you can even save the seeds. And many of the seeds are also edible. I don't, I've never eaten basil. Well, I probably have eaten basil seeds and are, you know, when we eat the flowers, cause they're inside of the flowers, but they're like, for instance, we do eat and save those coriander seeds and pretty sure we could also plant them, but we eat them. So ground up. So it kind of depends on the herb itself, but also like what you're looking for from the herb. And I know that's a very vague answer, but I think you'll enjoy figuring it out a little bit, or at least you should. (laughs) And then of course, how do I actually store these herbs? Like once I've harvested them, It's actually super simple. The main thing is a lot of them just are great dried. So I have a whole blog post about how to dry herbs. And when you do this, you want to make sure that you use hemp or cotton or a natural fiber twine so that it can easily breathe while it's drying. You want to make sure that there's good dry air circulation. Wind is good, but not too much wind. Um, And then you can also use a dehydrator, but I don't like that it adds heat because I find that it changes the flavor. I think it's way better if you do the drying by hanging them because it preserves the actual like flavor that you might experience more in the garden instead of like that cooking sort of temperature change flavor. And then what you want to do is once you're sure that those herbs are fully dried, like you can wait as long as you want. You don't have to wash them. I don't wash them before I hang them. I guess you could if you really wanted to. If you do that, just like lay them out after you wash them, let them dry individually before you group them and then hang them. I've never done that, to be honest, Um, just because I don't. Most of the time we're cooking them and I don't know. So, but then you want to, after you're sure that they're fully dry, you're going to store them in an airtight container and you want to make sure they're fully dry so that they're not 
going to create mold in that airtight container. I've messed that up before. So, and then you want to keep them out of direct sunlight because it will, you know, take down the flavor, the color, all those things, and then definitely date them. And then just try to use them within a year and a half to two years. We usually make it to like a year, but I find that their flavor is the best the first year. It's kind of wanes after that more than anything. If they're dried properly, they should last quite a while. So like I said, this is super simple. I use specific ball jars all the time, like the 16 ounce freezer ready wide mouth ball jars to store all our stuff in, but you can use smaller containers too. Like I'll save like glass containers that come for like different things that we, you know, have purchased in the past that are really smaller little containers. And I find those are really helpful. So it kind of depends on how much of that herb you have and what you're planning to use it for. But that's really a how to grow these gardens. Like I told you, like it is so simple compared to when we're talking about a vegetable garden. Like if I were to tell you about how to do a vegetable garden, like there's a reason like it, you, there's so many things that are involved with growing a vegetable garden. There's so many different conversations about it and there's no one way, but like with herbs, it's a lot more straightforward. Like that's why I can talk about it in like 30 minutes and granted we can dive deeper into a lot of things, but th this is the general idea. And I, I really want you guys to feel like if you didn't think you could grow a garden, particularly a vegetable garden, you can definitely grow herbs and you can grow them anywhere. So I want you all to feel empowered to do that because this is just such an easy way to get your hands in the soil, to get involved in nature and to just really be like, get all the benefits of these herbs and then see how the process works of growing things. Because even if you're not very good at growing things like inside your house, like I promise you it's very different growing things outside in particularly growing herbs. So if you have any questions, as always, you can shoot me an email. You can, you know, DM me on Instagram, whatever works for you. I'm always there to answer your questions. And in our community, we have a whole section on growing herbs, lots of awesome conversations in there about benefits of herbs, types of herbs people are trying, all sorts of things. It's lovely. And as always, our community is opening for summer, June 21st. So mark your calendar. If you are thinking about joining, it is coming up. If you enjoyed this podcast episode today, make sure that you leave a review and comment about what you learned or what you're enjoying. It is always beneficial to helping us grow as a podcast here and to continue to help so many other people grow gardens and connect to nature. As always, I am so glad to be here and I will see you out there, friends. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 